Welcome to Talking in Stations, a podcast about EVE Online. I am Matterall, here with Elise. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Baleful Dysmonia. Greetings and salutations. I'll get that right at some point. Some point, Art- eventually. Artemis. Howdy, howdy. Uh, our engineer, McLeod. Hey, guys. And Afish, who's uh, going to be talking about EVE Echoes later today as she puts on a program with CCP devs. Hi, Fish. Hey. Hey, how are you doing? All right, Baleful. How do you say your name? Baleful Dysnomia. Dysnomia. Okay. All right. Not Dysmonia. Ah. <laughs> I don't know what Dysmonia is. It's the Japanese that threw me off. Okay. Um, so today we're going to talk about uh, huge events that have happened in EVE Online over the last week. The biggest one has to be the fall of uh, Nyarja. And we'll talk about that and its importance we'll talk about what is next for people now that that has changed, that system has fallen. We'll also talk about the storms, the, uh, what are they? Metaliminal. Metaliminal. Metaliminal storms. I saw a couple of them on stream yesterday, actually, when I was just therodiving. Yes. Uh, we'll describe what therodiving is too. That sounds interesting. So the storms are here. They were promised and now they are here. Uh, and then we will talk about uh, some of the Keepstar fights that have happened over the past week. So sit in, let's uh, start talking about some EVE Online. All right. Mm-hmm. The first thing uh, we want to cover is uh, EVE Echoes. And uh, for that, we have Fish here. So how's it going, Fish? What are we going to, what are we going to see today? Pretty good. Um, so in the Hall of Echoes, which is at 1800, we're going to be interviewing CCP Rax and CCP Dopamine, as well as Ian Tan, to just talk a little bit about how the launch has been going at EVE Echoes so far and what that could con- potentially mean in terms of growth for the EVE community in general. And, you know, one thing we wanted to do with Talking in Stations is create some sort of bridge so that players who are interested in going between the platforms are able to play EVE Online if they've played Echoes and want to discover that world, and we can kind of show them some of the differences between the game and the similarities. So we're just going to be interviewing, getting some nice updates, learning about more of the differences, and then really trying to go full force and help expand the community. Worth noting that that stream is going to be taking place on our YouTube channel rather than on Twitch. So make sure you head over to youtube.com slash C slash Talking in Stations to check it out at 1800. Yep, I'll add in the link as well in here. Now, we had talked about moving everything over to YouTube, and we're still interested in doing that. But for the time being, uh, Talking in Station is going to arrive on Twitch and YouTube, and uh, maybe, who knows, Facebook in the future. So we're just going to stream to as many places as we can. That's a different strategy than moving everything to YouTube for now. And then later we'll decide about uh, where we're going to broadcast from. Also, as Fish was saying, and I think this is really important, uh, we've already built, I think, a home for EVE enthusiasts at Talking in Stations. We build it through Discord, but we also build it through these programs that we bring you uh, and all the people that we talk to and just the whole community that's built around, uh, I guess, the enthusiasm over EVE Online. Uh, and we want to make sure that that extends over to EVE Echoes so that if you are interested in EVE Echoes, that we have a really easy bridge for you, a resource of players like Fish, who's amazing um, and really involved in the community there. And so if you are interested in EVE Eve Echoes, there's an easy way for you to get involved with that. And then the reverse is true, too. As EVE Echoes Echoes players come and start discovering 
their mobile game and say uh, they want to move into a deeper experience, a more complicated, more detailed experience, then we would want to be the resource for them to bridge over from Evecos into EVE Online and just uh, move those players back and forth. I think yeah. it's funny. Uh, at least you've been playing Evecos. How many EVE players are actually playing it? So it seems like every time I stumble upon someone in local, I just start asking them, like, uh, I just started asking what they're doing, not trying to stall them to kill them, which eventually I will do. Um, but I don't have a warp scrambler now. So, uh, and a lot of them are people who played Eve, but it was either too daunting for them or too time consuming for them, or they just like fell out of it. And then there's a whole bunch of people that have just never touched it before. Um, so it's very much a mixed bag. But if you look at like the player corps, uh, I saw Get Off My Lawn, I saw Atlas. So there's a lot of like crossover from, uh, I guess, older EVE Online uh, like names that are like showing up in Echoes, which is kind of neat. And uh, it took, just for reference of why it's kind of important to, to keep the inner communities like, or at least offer them a bridge. It took 10 years for CCP to get 600,000 subscribers. It took 10 days and not even 10 days for Echoes to hit 1 million. Um, so it's wow, kind of insane how many people are on Echoes. Yeah, like to put it into reference, I was doing some PVE just trying to find a backwater system to grind up some MISC for a cruiser. And it is nigh impossible to find a system, be it a backwater low sec or high sec system, with less than 20 people in it. And that was early in AUTZ this morning. Yeah, there's so like 200 people nuts. in Tama right now. Wow, it's super populated and they're spread out. Vacations kill you instantly, so Tama's not super dangerous. That's what they want you to think, Billful. So Don't Fish, trust you, the hype. You are, are new to um, the EVE Online genre or whatever. Uh, not the genre, but the, I guess the intellectual property, the IP. Uh, and you came about a year ago, but you came looking at Eve Echoes as a possibility to play, but you were familiar with Eve Online even before that. What's been your impression? Um, my impression was that there was definitely a high barrier to entry. Um, I did think that this community is really unique. It's You've got a variety of different players, and I was really thrilled and excited just because we came from this other mobile game that ended up getting heavily monetized, and it was pretty disappointing um, one of the big things we loved was really growing with our team and having that team experience. And there was a lot of rich politics. I mean, I know it sounds a lot of, a lot of PC um, gamers sometimes have a hard time wrapping their head around mobile gamers being so dedicated, but really we do actually have complete fleet ops. I mean, we even our team um, and Eve Echoes has been forming up. So just coming into the community, you know, it was a little bit of a high barrier to entry, but I felt pretty welcomed in once I was in and, I went to eVegas to meet the community and that like really opened my eyes to that this is definitely a world I want to get involved in. So it's been fun to see eVecos grow and evolve and I'm just excited to see how these two communities can come together and just expand the world of eVe because I think it has so many great things to offer that people really aren't aware of. Yeah, and if you are like uh, if you're on the fence, I mean, I can't use my phone. I don't know how people use their phones to play games. I, I'm just too much of a boomer. I got boomer eyes, boomer hands, and just everything just doesn't work. So I have to use a tablet. But um, it's insane, like the, the little advantages you get from an EVE player uh, going over to Echoes. Uh, you kind of know what the weapon systems are, even though they're a little bit wonky in Echoes. Uh, and even we we're talking before the show, um, Baleful was mentioning, like, I'm not a 
a market tycoon in EVE. Um, but I went to another game and I completely dominated. The same is kind of true in Echoes, right? Like I was buying uh, mods for five ISK and reprocessing them for a profit, which isn't a lot. But when you're getting like hundreds in at a time, it kind of adds up. And just a lot of people didn't realize that you could like reprocess mods or like uh, anything like that. So there's a lot of avenues where EVE players have a distinct advantage. Um, but it's not like oppressively daunting, right? So it's not like you have to be an EVE player. It's kind of a, a neat little... Uh, it's a neat, just, I don't want to call it a distraction because it makes it seem shitty, but it's a, it's a neat uh, game to play. I was like, for you, it's a distraction. For me, it's hardcore. It's every day um, we're logging in. I think you can kind of have that choice, though, so you get to have that option. And even if, say, you are a specific character in EVE Online, if you want to go into Echoes and try something else, you, you can. Um, and even if you want to, like you said, dominate the market or just do things that you might not have tried in EVE Online uh, or that might have taken a lot longer, you can kind of go in there and and screw around and have some fun and throw you know throw some wrenches in there uh, as the other teams form up and build. That's the one thing. Uh, so Eve players would have an automatic advantage because they've already have that history and that strategy coming from Eve Online, and a lot of it will apply to this game, as at least was pointing out. But w- what's interesting to me is uh, like let's talk about some of the criticisms like that's a nice space game on that mobile app but it's not eve is what i've been hearing from a few people but other people have said this reminds me of old eve where do you guys fall into that category it's definitely eve it reminds me of eve in like 2004 but like sped up a little bit right so um in 2004 the market was just completely trash there's like there's nothing there as you can imagine so if you wanted to get into a cruiser, you had to mine in a frigate, accrue the resources because there weren't enough resources on the market. You had to accrue the resources to then build your uh, cruiser. And that would take like three weeks. In Echoes, it takes like three or four days. Or I mean, if you put in a lot of hours, you could probably do it in one day. Um, but it's still very much like I have to build my first ship. I have to train some sort of industrial skill. Otherwise, like because I don't have alts to do it for me. Uh, so it very much feels like Eve when I first started playing. And that's maybe it's like a nostalgia factor that's like sucking on to me, but it's it's kind of fun. Yeah. And also, too, I mean, even right now with, with the political climate and Echoes, we already have two major alliances in the South having a pretty big brawl and war and their sovereignty isn't even out yet. So, I'm, I mean, I'm not particularly sure what they're fighting over other than just kind of killing each other um, over some uh, some things that happened in the beta. But it's. It is interesting to see that there's already these large groups forming up of, you know, over 2000 players each and they're already at war. So, I mean, just from the other personally, I've kind of kept I've kind of kept to ourselves and our team. But I mean, it's just been interesting to see everybody's finding their slot of land. It's been a bit of a land grab and rushing out. And then I think when sovereignty comes in about three months, you're going to see things get a lot more aggressive. I don't think they have they haven't introduced interdictors yet in the game. Um, so I think that's going to be another thing that once we see that, it's there's probably going to be a lot more um, PvP, a lot more bloodshed. I think the fact that they are just kind of like killing each other for the purposes of killing each other means it is like you. <laughs> <laughs> Proof positive. What about you, Artemis? I'd agree. It, I mean, I wasn't in EVE back in old EVE, but it very much I agree with Elise. It feels like EVE when I first started. There are no alts yet. I'm I'm spinning them up. They're still training, but there aren't uh, uh, multi-boxing tools like you have in Eve. You don't have an established like 
base of wealth or anything. You're you're building up from scratch. And I think I, along with a lot of other Eve players, really enjoy that early gameplay of Eve. And maybe we have some nostalgia for it. I quite enjoy it. Well, yeah. what's it? Uh, I was going to say, and we don't have API or anything like that, so we don't have Zekiel boards. So there are a lot of little things that teams have to do as far as workarounds to find out, you know, when players come into their team to find out where they've been and what they've been up to and what type of player they are. It just, it, it creates a little bit of a different experience. So there's certain things that I think they're going to be adding in as they come, but I'm kind of enjoying the the pioneering of entering into this game and just rolling with the punches and seeing how it goes and, I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm lo- really looking forward to when Sov comes out. That's something our team's really excited for. So there are a few people in chat kind of asking, like, how do wars happen if there's no victors or anything like that? You have to remember that the server is like a week old. So everyone, like the, the most yoked out player is like 2 million skill points. If you have 10 million is you're giga rich. You're like just oodles of money, uh, Scrooge McDuck rich with 10 million is right? Uh, it's, it's it. kind of like a, a weird system. So Eve is very, or Eve Echoes is very much like the Wild West right now. You just kind of run over to your favorite null sec system if you want to do it and just mine an adventure by yourself. Like that's what you do. That's that's how you can uh, make your nest egg. But obviously that's going to change. But Eve Online in the early days it didn't have dictors, right? So like it's very similar. Are there wormholes? There are no wormholes. I love how all the corporations right now like have a mortgage to pay off. I find that completely amusing. And just, I have no idea what happens if somebody like doesn't make their mortgage payments on their corp. Does it just disappear? Like, what's the I think deal? it gets foreclosed on and the corp closes. <laughs> nice. So, like, is it a set amount you have to pay off, or it's yeah. two hundred million, right? Yeah, and we paid ours off. We didn't have too much of a problem. I think when teams just do some like team PVE. Um, you can pay off. We paid it off in like a few days, like maybe two days. Yeah. One last thing on this topic. Uh, and if you want more uh, today at 1800, we're going to be on YouTube. That is youtube.com slash talking in stations going into this with, we're going to talk about the players of Eve online and the players of Eve echoes and how they intermix. We'll be talking to CCP racks. Uh, we'll be talking to CCP dopamine, the community one of the community guys. And uh, of course, AFISH will be there and we'll have Jintan there as well. So it should be a nice discussion about uh, these sorts of things. If you want more of this, uh, go there. One last question for you guys. And that is uh, one of the things I've noticed is that people are already uh, multi-boxing because everybody seems to be playing on an emulator. And I'm thinking like, are we already there? Did it? We just skipped right to it. I'm going to play a phone game on an emulator for an advantage. That is so Eve. I had a friend who used to do that with like a Dota style game and play it on an emulator just to palm the people playing on the phones. And like, it's just hilarious to me that somebody goes that far for like a mobile game. I say the majority of my playtime on Echoes is in the break room at work on my phone. But if I'm at home, there's not a chance I'm not going to sit in my comfy gamer chair at my desk with my mouse and keyboard and play on the emulator. Like, it is just a more enjoyable gaming experience for me. Sure, there's an advantage, and absolutely I'm happy to take advantage of that, but I think we're overselling the people doing it for explicitly the advantage part. Like, look at Elise playing on his iPad. Does Elise have an advantage with his iPad? Absolutely. Is that just because he wants the advantage? No. It's because of his arthritis. 
He's a boomer. Is that what you said? <laughs> well, I, think it's, I think it's also important to note, like, note as a as a mobile gamer for me. Whenever we have a very serious fleet op that's going to involve like ships being lost or like we're supposed to do a specific thing together, usually we'll play on our phones together and then we'll have Discord up separately and chat on the computer. The emulators we use are oftentimes not for the serious ops because they can have a little bit more lag to them. So it's almost like you, you I, I play more passively on my emulator if I'm working. And then if I have something serious, that's where I'm on my phone. At least you get the last word on this. Yeah. Um, I, I will say that the, one of the cool things about Echoes is that Niarja still exists. <laughs> so Niarja is still 0.5, so you can still smooth through or go through to Amar without horribly, horribly dying. Um, All right, that was funny. All right, so we're going to transition out, let Fish go and get ready for her show. Let's talk about EVE Online's big news this week, which is uh, Nearja and its change in status. What happened? Well, before we, <laughs> before we go to what happened, can we set the stage? What is the significance of Nearja? Sure. Nearja is the, was, well, it still is the site of Long Range Gate that connects the Amar Empire with the Kaldari State, making a fairly short pipeline from Amar to Jeddah. And Jita being the largest trade hub, Amar being the second largest trade hub. So there was a lot of freighters and industrial traffic through Nyarsha up until it fell to the Triglavians. Spoilers, but I guess, okay, that's what happened. It fell to our <laughs> Triglavians. How did it fall? Everybody knows by yeah. now. We've been talking about this all week since it started at the beginning of the week. Um, but there's some people who haven't listened to this podcast in a week. And the last time we talked... Uh, to give you an idea, Boat had just done a massive bombing run uh, on a Keepstar and saved the day. That was the last thing they heard on this podcast. So all this week, there's been a ton of things happening, and this is momentous. So. Well, at the end of the last week, we talked about Arshat being flipped from Liminality because Niarja spawned right after Arshat was almost about a fortress. That's yeah, right. So the, um, the EdenCon forces were celebrating like being up for like 20 hours straight doing no, a, that's, a that's actually, that actually plays in part of it like the a lot of the like most uh experienced groups within edencom were burnt out from our shot and then the yards just spawned like right as it was ending so um one of the big things that played into it is that the edencom players deployed a lot slower to Niarja than the triglavian players and the triglavian players had a head start Deploying to a system quickly is crucial to winning it, especially when it's going to be a hotly contested system like Nearja. Because like when systems are at capacity and it doesn't take that many players to get the capacity, it just sits at like the same percentage going back and forth for like hours and hours and hours. And I think Nearja was like stalled at like several different points for like a long time because both sides were just killing about as fast as possible. But it's a lot more motivating to be sitting at 66% than it is 34%, right? And it turns into an endurance and stamina game at that point of who can keep time zone coverage better and keep at capacity for longer. And interestingly enough, yeah, interestingly enough, Dotland still has it uh, pegged as a 0.5 system. Even the, uh, if you root as prefer safer it still puts you through it which is a lot of deaths <laughs> right like you go from like jita to amara prefer safer uh on your route it'll still show as red in the middle of the 
like the red little tick in the middle of the the root, but it like roots you through it still. So you should um, you should ignore Niarja unless you're like in a travel scepter. I'm pretty certain as well that if you uh, if you haven't actually you know made sure that you don't see these particular pop-ups you know like previously um like if you've previously gone through triglavian system you kind of gone ignore these these pop-ups kind of thing like it should even if you're going through high sec and you know you're going using autopilot like if it gets to nyaja it will say it will stop you and it will say like you know are you sure you want to jump into this system i i do think that yeah it will say that the uh the pop-up will go up for the triglavian regions but that goes up for fortresses that goes up for minor victories like um like they and they still don't have it i think it's a flaw that they don't really have it differentiated like the gates around edencom fortresses still show like the triglavian logo and triglavian invasion when they should really show uh like edencom and like the triglavian victories and triglavian like full final immorality should show the triglavian logos i think because you don't know if something is Triglavian or Edencom, uh, a, a Triglavian or an Edencom system, unless you like check it via like third-party sources when okay. you're just rooting around, or if you just know it. So I, I haven't logged into Eve in a week. I've been too busy playing Echoes. When I log back into Eve and accidentally prefer safe, pay attention and jump into Yarja, what is going to happen? What does it look like in Yarja right now? Well, right now it's like... Um, super gate camped because people keep jumping into it and dying and expensive stuff. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's, but, correct, uh, let's correct something real quick. Um, this may be a very recent change, but now autopilot does not take you through Niarja, which it did uh, like ooh, yesterday or the day before last time I checked it, but that's yeah, we, this guy, systems that update. Eve Dobra there says that he checked it just now. Um, that's a very important point. We have to, yeah, I guess it takes a couple, uh, a little bit to update because the other liminal systems weren't taking you through. But the last time I checked, Niarja did. Yeah, everybody's okay. saying yesterday it worked. It did take you through uh, there. It still yeah. does today. I just checked right now. Like I'm, I'm on the okay. screen right now. If you hit safest, it'll take you through Niarja. If you avoided Niarja and have that uh, checked on your autopilot to avoid, which you probably should, uh, obviously it won't take you through. All right, then, then it's not updated. And I was it is not updated. If you hit Savis, it definitely takes you through Niarja. Okay, that is an important point. I want to reemphasize how important that is because it is going to kill a lot of unsuspecting players. And if, the, the, if you try and do it at like downtime or something, if, if players aren't camping that gate, uh, the NPCs will also shoot you. So if so. it's like other liminality systems, it should just be the warepost until the warepost gets shot. And then the warepost getting shot spawns the NPC response fleets. What I have noticed is players have been... Uh, players will spawn them on purpose. but Yeah, they will purposely that, shoot the warepost, which are the super... If players haven't gotten there yet, then it should be just the warepost and you should be able to warp through. But like, if there's any players, they're probably going to spawn the rats by shooting the warepost with like an alt or something. Okay, so I don't know if that's an oversight or uh, maybe that's part of gameplay and lore, but it seems to me that's a that's a big that's a big problem. Like I'd like it's... to quickly point out the stats here in August. Like August is halfway over, right? It's the twentieth, I guess, two thirds of the way over. Niarja last month about two hundred billion have died in it. So far this month, over a trillion. So there you go. As... Right, that's quite a lot quite astounding as far as the uh 
the circumstances behind the fall of Nyarja, I think the two biggest things that happened were that the Triglavians were better organized and deployed to the system faster. And the, the Goonstorm Ministry of Love uh, really did dedicate themselves to flipping the system and had the staying power to see through it. Whereas the, uh, the null forces that said they were pro-Edencom really didn't show up in force and for length as much as the goons did. Yeah, I mean, when we um, yeah. when this whole thing kicked off, right? I, when we we're talking about the uh, just the Triglavian invasions and the Arataka Research Consortium, like they listed a dossier of the systems that the Triglavians lore-wise would attack, and I saw Niarja on there, and I was like, and we've said it on the show. We actually had a, a segment on it on the show when uh, Raravos was going down. I was like. When Nyarja goes, there's zero chance it doesn't go low sec. It's absolutely, it's like, um, you know, when they did the naming of the tugboats uh, and Bodie McBoatface one? Yeah, yeah. This is the Bodie McBoatface of EVE Online. Of course, the players have a voice. They're absolutely <laughs> going to destroy Nyarja. So, like, totally. that was pretty much the system that the Triglavian players were waiting for. Like, I heard people saying they reactivated just to fuck Nyarja. Like, so God damn. Yeah, I think Niarja was probably in, in trouble regardless, but I think those two factors I mentioned were very significant in, in the fight. Yeah. Another little significant thing is the, the null blocks also kind of got involved, right? So well, really put out of ping a little bit late when the, I think the system was at like 17% um, in the, in the first stage, really put out of ping saying, you know, we got to save this, uh, Nyarja system because it's like crucial and we got to help the Eve little guy or I, I forget what he actually said in there. Um, but the thing about that ping was that that ping got Goonswarm to show up in force. Where exactly. Right. So that became like the motivation for goons to actually care. Right. So instead so of one group. Vili's oh, ping like actually is seen as like some people look at Vili's ping and think Vili screwed us. Right. Yeah, because before there weren't that many goons common, in system. That's a very common sentiment on the Eden Palm side. Yeah, so so that's that's exactly true, right? So that's uh, where I was hoping to get yeah, get to, but yeah, it it like provided to it just like stoked the fire. So then the goons and the rest of the Imperium went there and like, oh, this is this is our chance, or we get to beat Legacy in high sec too. This is great. So it became something of a proxy war, which was. Uh, a little bit interesting because uh, Goonswarm in some way had already handed Test a defeat and this set the narratives up for a second defeat, right? If Test wants this, we'll take it away from them. Uh, when it really wasn't Test, according to Vili, it was more Brave put something out, not necessarily Test. But that was enough of an impetus to publicly side against Test. I mean, uh, brave and legacy and uh win the day i believe it was a brave um like a i don't i don't know what their fc structure is but like a junior fc in brave who made the first ping for legacy for like to get brave guys into niarja and he made some like kind of angry comment uh that everyone kind of grasped onto like hey if you're if you're blue to me but you're helping the trigs i'm gonna shoot you you can't do that you have to come join my fleet instead uh, so it was like in a fit of uh, frustration, I guess, right? So, but everyone just latched onto that with this junior FC would said, and like, oh, Brave is, if you're in Legacy, you can't uh, have freedom, blah, blah, blah. So that became like a little banner material for a couple hours. It was really funny. 
I mean, like the narratives of who got involved and why in the pings are interesting and all, but I'm just saying legacy and fraternity are both just camping the Caputin gate right now and killing billions and billions of stuff traveling through. I don't think yeah. anybody cares how it started. Everybody just cares that there's kills to be had now. <laughs> yeah. So now like, so this like separates the, as, as Baleful was saying, the second largest trade hub from the first largest, like they're not, you can still get there. It's a pain in the ass, but you can still get there. It goes from nine jumps to 45. Uh, but essentially, the two largest high-sec regions are now severed. So it's going to be weird to see how this plays out. I was talking to a few industrialists, and they were like, yeah, we used to like mine a lot of stuff locally, but there are some things that we couldn't get locally that we'd import from Jita, um, be it like salvage material or um, stuff for uh, reactions. They'd bring, they'd ferry that in through Jita. And they're, now they're just saying, why would I live in domain? I can just live in uh, Calente space instead. So they're picking up and moving. It's yeah, I like think that. COVID, right? Like, why am I going to live in the city? I, I can uh, just. My uh, prediction as to what's going to happen is a Mars going to become Helium Mart and kind of die off. And then Dodixie and Heck are going to pick up some of the trade and people are going to move away from domain. Heck over Renz? What's the... Uh, Somebody give me the history on that. Support your local freedom fighters. But I think... So people in chat and, and are kind of agreeing with Baleful. I think Dodixie is the huge winner here, right? Dodixie's Dodixie is the winner. Yeah, but that I was always the redheaded stepchild. It's going to pick up more than Renz because it's closer to Jita. Astrology right, we, is very happy about that fact. Yeah, we brought in Caleb to talk about market effects. And so we know that Nyarja has fallen. We know it's an important system. And what we don't know is what's going to happen in the future. We're starting to talk about that now. Most of the implications are market related uh, because this was a trade route um, between the two biggest trade hubs. So what do we think is going to happen now with uh, with trade? How will industry um, well, evolve? It, it shifts things a lot onto uh, structure stuff and the whole null first and TTT and jump freighters and all of that shenanigans. So, so, so the whole map has been shuffled a little bit, uh, well, a lot bit, to be fair. Um, but I don't think it's going to necessarily kill a Mar. Um, I, think, I think what's going to happen is that it's, it's going to have its own life um, and service its own type of clients. Because not only has it uh, cut off Gita and uh, um, Galenta space, but that means it's cut off all the entities that feed into um, Amar, right? Uh, sorry, that, that feeds into uh, Jita. So the people that live close to Amar will now benefit from this fact because they can have their own, call it, uh, secondary hub. And I think this is very good for secondary and tertiary hub development in general. It's, it's not necessarily an, a Jita nerf um, in any way, but... It does actually smell a little bit like that on the long run because you are motivated and incentivized to work lo more locally, right? Of course, you're going to still be able to do the stuff if you want to actually mm, use the uh, the jump freighter stuff. Um, but again, that brings on the whole sank uh, shift where there's a bit of a of a split be between Ignoiden and Beskarin, as far as I remember. Um, so now you have two entry points into to Dixie. Uh, and into sank and uh, it kind of benefits them a lot because competition might actually improve there. Um, I do know that there's 
some rumblings in the high sex structure stuff, it's not really been realized and, and it's not really coming into the foreground yet. But I'm expecting that to happen soonish. Um, it's a little bit delayed by the fact that everyone needs to pay more attention to the war. And that's also true for imports, exports. So we're going to have to wait and see exactly what is going to be the conclusion to this. Um, I'd like to yeah. I'd like to point out something just real quickly, though, because you said that like you know it effectively cuts off. Like it's not it's not actually cut off. Like the 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 route obviously from Jeddah to Otoma isn't actually cut off. Like you can get you know from uh, Jeddah to Omar and back like through High Second entirely. It's just it's you know as uh, as has been said like was it like forty six jumps. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a long way. So, you know, it's a long way to do. And you're going through like, was there something like, like seven new 0.5 yeah, yeah, systems. Yeah. So it's a dangerous route. It's a long route, like, but it's, it's, it's not cut off as such. No, but it takes, it takes shipping prices up to, uh, X five to X 10, right? Because yeah, it's such yeah. a much longer route and it still has, now it actually has a lot more, uh, choke points than it had before. So this is why we were talking about uh, the Silk Road thing and the fact that you could actually potentially utilize this because I think it actually goes through uh, both Heck and Rens, if I'm not mistaken. And that's actually kind of interesting uh, yes, when you're talking about hubs, right? So, so this might be um, a very volatile and very interesting time that we're moving into because you still need to go from uh, Jita to Amar in some form. And how that plays out, I'm not entirely sure. There was some is really there, nice. Oh, sorry, go for it. Is there another blue star system on the new route? Yes. Are oh, gonna, two systems on I mean, the new route that go liminal: uh, Ohide and Mihator in Devoid. And Jita. Don't forget Jita. Jita is. Wait, Jita itself? Jita is a blue star, but <laughs> most people assume it's not in the bucket for what no. starts. No, oh, come on, CCP. Grow some balls and kill Jita. Like, come on. It's gonna, no, it's not going to be killed, but it's going to have the big final conclusion. I will bet you money on this. Many people have said this, and Ash actually believes that Jita is the conclusion to this story. So there will be a trig invasion in Jita for, uh, for, for, uh, at some point. I, I think that the more appropriate final system should be Uli. The concerning mm. thing about uh, the concerning thing about uh, those two systems that you said, uh, Miator and Ahid, right? Because um, I was looking at this uh, previously. Ahid, if Ahid actually gets taken over by the Triglavian, then Amar is effectively cut off from you can do, go uh, from Jillan. It's just longer. No, no, no. I mean, like it's literally cut off. Like there's no, there's no pure high sec route. Can't you go through Genesis through like the sanctum constellation and all that uh, i don't think you can i i i remember i i looked fairly extensively through like rooting and like if oheed goes then it's kind of a yeah that's then then it's like oh god all right so the routes are going to get all mixed up but let's look at something more fundamental that noisy gamer brought up uh bale you answered it but can't eden Com just fight for this system and reconquer it no, um, once a system reaches either final liminality or fortress, you can't push the bar either way. It's going to be locked. Um, and there's speculation as to what's going to happen to these systems after the invasion. We know something's going to happen that CCP needs them to be the same on tranquility and serenity. 
because they're mirroring the invasions in the fortresses between the two systems. Like in a week's time, Serenity, the Chinese server, is just going to lose Niarja without a fight, and they're going to be really pissed off. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Because there's there's a mechanic, massive invasion and massive fortress, which is just the system flips to whatever that is um, without a fight, just seemingly for no reason. But we've we've looked into like why these things keep popping up. And it's because it went that way on Serenity. And so far, Serenity has only gotten fortresses. So like their only liminalities are ones we've given them. So it's kind of, it's like Serenity is just sitting there like. And to affect us in the same way. It's a one way. Yeah, because we've gotten massive fortresses. So like Peon Sude in Molden Heath, for example, is a massive Edencom fortress. There is never an invasion there, but it's a fortress because Serenity had it. So they are affecting us and yeah, we're affecting yeah, them. Exactly. That's very interesting. Peace for some reason needs the systems, the liminals, the liminalities and the fortresses to be the same between the servers, probably for whatever event they have planned to finish this off or next. So uh, I want to understand that. Maybe we will dive off it uh, in after in the after show, but it seems it seems that what they do affects us and what we do affects them or CCP has a plan and these systems need to go a certain way for that plan to work. I don't think that the systems need to go a certain way. I do think that they need a, some amount of systems of both, but I think they've gotten that. Um, I think they just need the systems between the, the server. Like, because it, like it, none of the systems have been like, even the harder ones haven't been like, oh, you're not affecting it. You can't push it, right? Like, because we, we reversed the liminality. So like, it's not, it's not set in stone which way a system goes, right? Um, like we reverse something in first liminality. So it's it's not like CCP is deciding this go, goes where, this goes there. We we know they've decided like what systems can be in the bucket as to what gets invaded, but it just mm-hmm. kind of they just kind of pop up in in certain preset windows for invasions. Um, yeah. So it's not really CCP saying this has to fall, this has to stay. I think they might have an idea of based on what system it is and the specifics about it, what might go one way or another, but they're not, they're not like making that happen. Is there something special about Ohide? It keeps coming up as the other place that needs to fall to really uh, break oh, up. Well, Ohide, Ohide, we just said is one of the systems on the, the new route that would break up the yeah. trade route between Amar and Jita now. Ohid is a blue star and Miator is a yellow G5, I think. Either one of those is a liminal. So because a lot of people a lot of people kind of know that um, the Triclavians do go for blue stars. So one of the it's one of the only blue stars like in the like in the root. And a certain type of yellow star. Yeah. So a lot of people have kind of and and my myself, like, you know, I did go through the list to check which which particular systems were blue stars. Um, I didn't obviously didn't go through uh, 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 Miator because I didn't, you know, I wasn't sure which which aside from you know p- particular blue stars uh, were favored by the Trilavians. So uh, if a Miator is as well, then yeah, G five yellow stars, not K three yellow stars, G five yellow stars. Mm-hmm. Like Vale was a G five yellow star that went liminal, for example. Yeah. So, well, uh, is, is that because? Uh, is that because the uh, Triglavians like to be pimped with the G5s? 
You'll have to ask Soria. <laughs> Um, so one of the things that keeps, uh, I think we scared everybody with the idea that Jita could get attacked and uh, transition <laughs> to no security. So people are freaking out in the audience. Uh, let's, well, we, let's did just have, be real. we did have another system earlier that would have broken up. We had, we had two systems that would have broken up the, uh, I think technically on one system that would have broken up the trader out because Jark went up for liminality, but it became a fortress Jark and the mandate because that would have broken the Amar to Minmatar pipe. Oh, I think so you Bale and your team saved that. Ah, uh, yeah, I was in that one for twenty hours. I think uh -huh. Bale also mentioned Yule, right? And and this is why I I I do think there's a strong support for the the tinfoil that this might be the way the CCP re-engages the the highway system, um, and brings uh, Yule back to be the dominant trade hub in the game. I could be completely wrong. It's just. It's the obvious thing because this favoritism that we've lived with since they broke the highway has always been unhealthy. Um, and breaking uh, the empires up with all this invasion stuff is exactly what was required to maybe roll that back law-wise. So if Jita gets attacked, it's to shift it into a situation where then the empires are equal again and we get something like the highway initiated and it's most likely concord that is going to save gita uh it's it's the whole co uh, conclusion to the story and the fact that both these are blue stars is just even more supporting uh the idea that that might actually be uh the narrative that they want to play out all right um i do want to explain because we had a question in chat what is liminal like liminal liminality is what happens when either a g5 yellow star or one of the three types of blue stars fall to the Triglavians in stellar reconnaissance, which is the first stage of the invasion. So an invasion happens and it starts at 50% in stellar reconnaissance. And if it push, gets pushed all the way down, if it is a blue star or a yellow G5, it goes into first liminality, which means the security status drops. If it's high sec, it becomes fake low sec. If it's low sec, it becomes fake null sec. And then in first liminality, it starts at 50% and either it gets pushed down, becoming second liminality around 30%, where like the, the NPCs get stronger. And then at 0%, it locks and goes to final liminality and it can't be affected anymore. On the other hand, if the bar in the first stage, stellar reconnaissance, gets pushed all the way up, it goes into an Edencom redoubt. The sex status doesn't change, but like there's there's more sites and the rats get stronger. And if that and it starts at fifty percent again, and if that gets pushed up, it goes into income bulwark at seventy or seventy five percent. And then at a hundred percent, it locks as a fortress. If the bar in eliminality gets pushed all the way up, it goes straight into a readout. If the bar in a readout gets pushed all the way down, it goes straight into liminality. Does that explain what all the stages are? Because somebody asked what liminality is. That's great. Yeah, it works well, yeah. I was just kind of looking for the, half of the, that, the chart of that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know any of that. I, I don't want to be quizzed on it, though. Can I? Uh, <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I need to. cannot go liminality or fortress can uh, be invaded. And if you push the first, there's only one stage, the stellar reconnaissance. And if the bar gets pushed all the way up, it's an Edencom minor victory. And if the bar gets pushed all the way down, it's a Triglavian minor victory. 
Now in the minor victory systems, the sex status does not change, but a large amount of the NPCs stay, the winning NPCs stay around and like camp the gates and their sites to farm them and stuff. Thank you, Baleful. Well, actually, you know what we should do? We should make a little video explaining that. I think that would be a real service to players with graphics and everything. Like that will be our first project. Why don't we do that? All right. Yeah. Sorry to put on the post-production. Uh, but it is, um, for the, the people that are like seeing just like the big picture, like the broad strokes of Niarja is now essentially zero, zero. Uh, it's really important that there's a caveat of essentially zero, zero. So you can't Sino in it, right? It's, it's Sino jammed as well. You can't use bombs, so you can't use bubbles. It's so you what, can't. It's whatever the original sex status was. So like if it's a high sec, you can't use Sinos and bubbles. Exactly. And so if people are thinking, and Sino. oh, I can get through Niarja with a jump freighter. I just have to light a Sino, uh, get to one side, Sino in, and then go through the other side. Omar is saved. Nope, it <laughs> doesn't work. You can't Sino. I, the only thing you can do is you can Sino through uh, a different system called Vicamia, which uh, I think is going to probably become like Rancer-like in a way, um, because it's, it's kind of a, a neat little shortcut that uh, takes off a lot of trips for you. If you're not in a freighter or, uh, you know, big ship, you can probably, you can, you know, test to see if you can go through similar to how people try and go through grants or now. Um, but yeah. So like, um, Ashtarath, they made a good point of something to mention the minor victory systems. They used to be able to be reinvaded and they would just get closed really quick because the NPCs on the winning side are like super strong but they fixed that recently so that minor victories can't be reinvaded either. So those are locked as well. And um, the Kybernauts, the traitors to humanity, have a really, really good list of all the systems and which way they went on their on their website. If, if Ashtaroth, if you want to link that in uh, chat, that is actually a really good list for anybody on any side of the event. Yeah. Just to just to just to it's mention this, the trig rats that get spawned and get killed. When you're talking about all these things, one of the things that that this whole feature has actually brought is fake dynamic security status, right? But that's really most likely because CCP didn't have an easy way to create true dynamic security status. So all the things that that Elise was just trying to point out with the limitations based on on TrueSec might actually at some point get shifted, right? Because if if security status is supposed to have dynamic options, which I believe is the goal and the vision of CCP in the future, I just think that invasion which will shift to empire stuff. So it's the empires fighting about these things. And the consequence is that TrueSec shifts. But TrueSec is the next thing on the roadmap. They want, I, I do think they want this to be so players can push things back and forth on this seesaw where these get locked, but in the future, they might actually stay dynamic. So you can always start pushing them back or forth, regardless of where you want them to be. So like, I think it's actually, like my hypothesis is that it's kind of like a trial for fixing faction warfare. I, I think so too, right? I think they're using this as like the, the test bed for faction warfare. And I'm really, I'm kind of all for it because like it's more engaging than falling asleep in a plex with your 10 AFK unfit alts. <laughs> yeah, but I just think that, that that's going to escalate. It's, it's not going to stay like that. It's going to be an all out uh, imperial war on the other side of the big trick conclusion. 
because all the things, faction warfare, incursions, triclavian invasions, all these things are steps towards something that has been dreamed of almost since the beginning of EVE, uh, dynamic uh, security status, the fact that you can have these seesaw wars between uh, the empires and you can choose side and your standing matters. All of these things were things that we hope would actually materialize and it was just too difficult both technologically um, um, when what you could do on, on the server side uh, with hardware, but also just coding this stuff was just a pipe dream back then. But it's actually reachable now. It's, it's just almost there. All right. All right. So uh, just to let you guys know, we're tracking that a massive fleet of Titans, over 300, are moving from the south, from FAT, uh, which was in catch up to Iridia. They're on their way. It looks like there'll be several waves of Titans. 300 is by no means the end of that move up, which is uh, something we're keeping an eye on. Looks like they are in uh, Rep, Rep Hirib at the moment. They'll be in Nomash soon and then Gaidman and uh, eventually end up in uh, Marmeha, Aridia. Now, these are, these are systems that we know about because we have witnessed Keepstars sitting in those systems, which has created a road from the south all the way up to Fountain area. So we'll look into that uh, later in the show. We don't have that much time, though. We want to move on to Real quick, other for those of us who might yeah. not recognize the system name, those titans belong to Legacy, correct? Yeah, those are, sorry, those are Legacy Titans. You're going to see uh, probably Pandemic Legion Northern Coalition Titans. The, least I believe that entire front is moving their super capitals from FAT, which is where they were stationing uh, through those Iridia systems, as, as you had mentioned. Uh, so essentially the, the big war machines from the, the Pappy side are adjusting the front that they're on. I'm pretty sure we called this when we were covering uh, all the fights, that it looked like they were going to try that. Yep. I mean, yeah. Billy had mentioned that this is this is one of the plans that they had, right? This is you start everything in catch, you kind of see how that front moves. And then as Fountain develop, as that other front develops, you start moving them around. So uh, these keep stars didn't just get dropped yesterday. They got dropped a few weeks ago. Uh, so I think this is just step two in the plan as they're, they're moving forward. They're building that road. You, you know what? We're going to skip uh, the metaliminal storms because I wanted to take some time with those. Uh, or we'll put them at the end here. Let's go right into what's going on in the war, since we're talking about this move up and some of the Keepstar fights that happened in the last week. At least, what do you think uh, is going on there? Uh, so I, I think probably the biggest story is um, the fight in, in KVN, uh, which is probably one that people, if you're a bystander, there's no way you did not hear about this fight. Um, it was a fight that was slowly but surely going on in the um, Panfam's favor, I guess Pappy's favor, because Legacy was also there. Um, and then the the server crashed. Uh, like the, the node was just like, nope, don't don't want this anymore. Um, and so then obviously the, the system was saved, or the, rather the timer was saved. And uh, this became a big like uh, narrative thing, right? So the Imperium were like, ha, huh, these dumb uh, Pappy, they tried to copy our strategies shoved too many people. They blobbed too hard and crashed the node. Uh, Asher has a pretty funny meme. Uh, it's like the bicycle riding one where you stick, the guy sticks a stick with an own spokes and crashes his bike. Um, and wonders why. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I fell down. Damn those goons. Um, but headliner, I think, was uh, 
she was on a rain stream yesterday. She was doing like a quasi charity stream for disaster relief in Iowa and headliner popped on and he was asked about it. He's like, yo, what, what do you think about this KVN? Are you super mad about it? And he was like, no, I mean, this is, this happens in Eve. This haven't had, this hasn't happened to us for years. Um, but it's it just, the server stops and you have to try again another time. Right. So the, I guess the, the pan fam side are trying to, or the Pappy side are trying to downplay it a little bit saying, you know, it's, or at least from the leadership levels, they're saying, Hey, you know, this, this happens in Eve online. Um, we're kind of bummed it happened. No doubt about it. We would have loved the win, but we didn't lose because our strategy was bad. We lost because the game just decided it didn't want to game, uh, <laughs> that day. <laughs> So it's it's not like oh we it's not like when boat bombed uh, all the uh, all the ravens right that that was like a strategy failure on the pappy side. Uh, was this almost- was not a strategy failure. This was not any like nothing went wrong on their side. Just the server crashed. But it was kind of trending towards a little bit of a well not a, a, a rework of uh, white dash two but. There was a lot of exchanges, right? It was really good fights. Uh, people were actually having a lot of fun uh, until CCP said, computer says no. Mm. So it was a little bit sad because the conclusion would have been cool. It would have been a much better story. But it's good that this happens now so it doesn't happen when uh, the all-out uh, war starts happening and this prologue is over. Yeah, that's why, um, that's why and I, I kind of pushed boat on this last week. Keepstar fights are hugely different than Fortizar fights just because the scale changes. And when the scale changes, everything changes, right? You have this variable of, oh my God, what happens if the game breaks, right? Um, in the slow cat fleet, in like the BTAC-R era where people were just fielding uh, hundreds of carriers and super carriers, it seemed like an automatic I win button. But every time an FC made that decision to put their fleet in, they had to say, is today the day one of my Titans bounces on another Titan or just a phantom Titan gets careened a hundred kilometers away and dies uh, right next to my fleet. Like there are uh, like hidden variables that these uh, fleet commanders have to deal with. And a node grinding to a halt is definitely one of them. A node completely crashing. It's been like forever since that's happened, especially on a reinforced node, at least for me. I think it's, 2018 UALX, that battle crashed yeah. the servers two hours before downtime. So it wasn't a determining factor necessarily. So, yeah. Uh, so that, that kind of happened in KVN. Um, there was another um, OTAC N, I think. Maybe OTAC. Yeah, OTAC N. Um, I believe that Keepstar died. I was there. I should know. Yeah, yeah I was there. <laughs> it died. <laughs> um, in fact, if you watched the meta show yesterday, the Matani made me relevant again for another few months. So I'm sucking onto that. I'm super happy. You've been blessed. Um, one of my nicknames from one of uh, his Alliance uh, FCs, Mr. V, he called me a snake when I was an NFC. Uh, and Wait, Mitani was this before or after the Taylor Swift snake? This was saga. way before. I, I preempted so, the Taylor Swift thing. Nice. With snakes. <laughs> um, so anyways, I got called a snake because I was trash talking in local. Um, on talking in stations, I try to be as impartial as I can. In EVE Online, definitely not the case. <laughs> uh, so I was kind of like ribbing the initiative for not showing up to that uh, Bastion timer. And it's kind of the only Keepstar that the Imperium managed to lose in this week is when the initiative just didn't show up. Um, but uh, Brisk like did respond on... Minutes. Yeah. Brisk did respond and uh, the Matani did. He was like, well, 
the initiative were active, they were just on a different front, which is super cool because if we rewind um, five weeks ago or so when the war started and you and I are sitting here trying to guess what's going to happen, I say like the initiative is not, is, I don't want to say is, okay, so the initiative is not necessarily wasted, but they're not being utilized to their full effect if you just throw them in these big fights uh, and just tell them to hit F1 on certain things, right? They should send them to like a different front or to the back lines to harass infrastructure. So that, that appears to be something that they're a little bit more open to now because uh, that's exactly what they're doing during that fight. I guess the uh, Imperium like uh, fleet commanders are like, you know what, this, uh, this keeps is going to fall eventually. Let's get, let's get a pound of flesh out of this. Um, and so they, they sent the initiative over to the catch front and they started messing with uh, jump bridges and stuff like that. So that is sort of like the developments. Uh, two keep stars and fountain over the last week stalled a little bit, but still dropped. One dropped. Um, KVN and, and Y dash two are still ongoing. Okay, so four keep stars have died in fountains so far. How many more need to die before I see a couple thousand titans jump a gate into delve? Two. Two more. The last two that was K just mentioned. KVN and two. And, and basically, you forgot to say five or six were saved, four have been killed, and two are yet to go, right? So one of the interesting things is the Imperium kind of have uh, kind of changed their strategy midway through. For some of the timers, for the Keepstar timers, they just didn't really bother to show up. They're like, well, these are going to die anyways. Um, and after Y-2, uh, which is what we talked about pretty much all last week, uh, that's the first Keepstar that the Imperium really honestly showed up for in earnest. And it was a huge morale victory for them. And it was a huge like, actual victory for them. They, they won. They, they saved the timer. And I think that changed their strategy to, instead of saying, you know what, well, let's just cut our losses with Fountain and move on. You see them for these timers show up more and more with big, more and more significant numbers to try and uh, stop the momentum that the PanFam front has created. And I think it's working uh, wonderfully. This is just a, a reverb from Y-2 last week, I think. And it's been a bit of a practice run, right? They, they basically got the chance to do, well, X amount of practice runs before they reach their proper. What can be done in defense uh, of this stuff? Of course, some of the meta is already figured out, but tinkering is always a thing in EVE. And we saw some very interesting plays from YTAC2 to KVN, right? The KVN was massively different. Uh, completely new fleets were showing up. And I think I've commented that I, I, I got the feeling that Killer was trying to reduce the tie-dye. Um, to get a little bit more speed and uh, flexibility in uh, activity. And then you just saw completely new things happening on, on the field. And I, I was very excited. And it was fun to actually cover it uh, when it was happening live up until the black screen of death. Goodbye. Yeah, thanks, Sully, for doing TIS coverage. Uh, as usual, we've been having great uh, success with him. Uh, really holding down the cameras and getting us some right into the action and talking about what is going on, some of the deeper meanings of what ships are fighting and uh, what the strategy is. And then um, Caleb and I may come in and talk a little bit about some of the history involved with groups and uh, with doctrines and with uh, economics and, uh, you know, the, the contextual information. So it's been a good combination, but at the center of that is Sully, who's been doing a great job uh, for TIS. 
And on that note, um, Elise, can you explain to me what's going on when both when INN is trying to cover stuff and we are trying to cover stuff? So you got Solly on one side and Mifune on the other, and they're saying nice things about each other. Is this the Eve that we know and 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 love? Uh, I don't know. I think there might be like uh, I, I'm not. I don't want to put any because I haven't watched the the INN coverage. Uh, usually, I'm trying to like sneak into the system myself and like linger on comms and try and get there, but. The vitriol, it's easy to do in-game, and I don't know. It's right, kind of more fun to watch someone uh, try really hard and fail, right? So if you're if you're mocking them as they fall, that's one thing. But if you're like, oh, you can, if you're patronizing as they fall, it's even better, right? So right. <laughs> that's what I would do. It's your playbook, right? It's actually applauding uh, good stuff and, and, and talent when it's there on the field. And then maybe we can do the drama afterwards or when we're actually not live on something, right? It was I, I got the feeling that people picked up exactly from what you did with the when both were around. Um and that was the coverage. It was very sportsmanlike. And that I would be not seen that much. That would be frankly the best contribution to Eve Online that I have ever given, if that's the case. Um I, I kind of hope that happens, but I don't know. I'm sure they have their, their own reasons for it. I I haven't seen the INN coverage, but uh, AJB here says INN coverage hazing fighters repeated every other sentence. That doesn't uh, sound very neutral to me. No, no, of course, uh, th there was of course drama and smack, but mostly in, uh, in in chat. But the point was that the counter to the bomb run thing, the warp in that I think was was the Ra Ravens warp in that uh, where it was basically uh, perfectly executed, and the commentators on stream was just commenting on that that uh, that was uh, that was beautifully done and then next i hear uh, sully uh, go, uh, going crazy about how awesome i think the praxis thing was i was like jesus christ these guys are so nice to each other why why is this happening well one I of the the coolest things when you watch something at that scale um become executed it is really impressive especially if you're you've been in those fleets and you've been trying to do that yourself you know how challenging it is uh, so sometimes you just got to sit back and say, Hey, that's, that's a good job. Yeah. I don't know. I, I want to, I want to say it's not something that it's not something we necessarily like constantly strive for, but we at talking in stations. We've always looked at it, especially myself, I think Artemis and everybody else that's here. We look at it from the perspective of Eve online as a game, as a holistic experience. And when Elise is here, he's not a partisan. Uh, and, uh, just like when Carneros was here, he wasn't a partisan either. Uh, he's on break right now. But the point is that we always look at it that way. Everybody else sometimes will play with the, play with the, um, I don't know, play with the information. Or the, the, what do you call that at least? Like, cause you do that when you're off uh, TIS, you antagonize your enemy, you provoke. What are you trying to do? I mean, you're just trying to, to get them off their game a little bit, right? Like that, that's the whole thing. You want to make them, uh, make a mistake uh, or you want to kind of push your narrative or fill a story that fills your narrative. So your morale goes up at the same time, their morale goes down. Yeah. Um, the Imperium is doing a phenomenal job at this, right? Like their morale and narrative management is on point. Um, compare this to world war B um, a few years ago and they were kind of flailing around, right? They, they had this snowball running at them and they just stood strong. They didn't adapt to it, and they eventually got rolled over. Um, they, they're still 
kind of trying to, to regain control over that, but it hasn't really worked too much. Um, if you ask half the game what the world uh, or if you ask half the game what the war, war was called, um, I think, okay, well, I shouldn't say half because that kind of undermines my point. If you ask <laughs> non-Imperium people what that uh, war is called, they'll say it was called World War B. If you ask an Imperium person, they'll say Casino War. Sometimes they'll flop back and forth. Just yeah. to correct you, it, it's, it is World War B1, right? Because now it's World War B2. But back then, it was known as the Casino Wars. Because exactly. So Caleb, exactly illustrating my point perfectly. But the Imperium this time, I think they're... Um, I, I, we gave like a sort of narrative breakdown at, uh, a few weeks ago. And I graded them at an A. They're at an A++ right now. I think they're doing phenomenal. Um, they're getting events that fit into their narrative. And they're just um, echo chambering. Or I guess not echo chambering isn't the word. But they're like amplifying that over and over again. Um, and so, you know, if you look at the Imperium, they have lost a region and a half of space. They have lost a trillions isk worth of uh, just infrastructure. And they, if you ask the Imperium line member, they're winning. They are happy to do. It. They're just as happy now, if not happier, than when the war initially started. Right. So it's it's no longer you'll never take Delve. It's when you come into Delve, you're going to have to take 180 of these painful timers, and we're going to make you cry every single time. It's not these timers won't fall. It's when you take them, we're going to hurt you as you do it. As they adapt to the narrative, it's incredibly, incredibly good. And Last I'm fine, question. I'm fine Hold with on. We got to go. Uh, sorry. I we really go. need to point out that it was noisy. No, noisy <laughs> named the war, the casino war. Goons had a much more terrible name for it. So it yeah. was definitely they just liked that because it made sense and it fit the actual events back then that has been confirmed recently when we had iron well when ron we had iron bank on yeah. an interview and he's and, not a good he's not anybody good to confirm things because he actually gets a lot of things wrong so i'm going to dismiss i'm going to move that and put it aside there if you want the facts you need to go to like a few other people here's another thing though this is what i'm afraid we're at and that is goons are too big to fail because the servers can't accommodate the conflict needed to bring down their structures at least uh, and then artemis and then we got to go i think that's something that the, the imperium wants people to think like i think that's that's part of their game plan to say ha you can't assault us even if you want to it takes uh what is there like one hundred fifty thousand players or something is their their line uh, and you just can't do it so i think that notion is very much uh, part of the Imperium narrative. They are not too big to fall. Nobody in EVE Online is ever too big to fall. Uh, we've seen it over and over. We've heard that line uh, a couple, at least half a dozen times. Band of Brothers was too big to fall. The old NC was too big to fall. The old CFC was too big to fall. Um, Atlas is too big to fall. DRF is too big to fall. Now you're too deep for anyone to remember, really. Yeah. But no, I, I think that definitely plays into the plays into their pocket. Uh, I also think that they've the Imperium have realized and adapted that these Keepstar fights work in their favor. And instead of pulling up their Keepstars, like they may have been considering a few weeks ago, as Bo was saying, uh, they probably want to plant some more down because yeah. this is probably fun for them. It seems to me put them down and work the server angle on this war seems to be something that... Uh, but that's why you're saying... Well, I think the Legacy and the Pappy side have just been quiet, right? They're They're trying to... 
prove their narrative by their actions rather than by their words. I'd like, <laughs> I'd like to do a little bit of both, right? I think you have to do both. Um, but I think we're still very much in the post Y dash two. How is the Pappy side going to respond? They responded by killing a keep star and almost killing another one. So I think they're, uh, morale wise, I think they're just fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, I got to run to this next show that's going to happen on YouTube, not here on Twitch. So go to talking and stations on YouTube, Artemis, your opinion, and then take us out. I'm going to actually sneak out a bit early, uh, if you don't mind. Yeah. Right on. I mean, Quite frankly, I think everybody's done a good job at putting their thoughts on the table. Does anybody have any final things on the Keepstar stuff before we move on to other bits and pieces? I'm just going to counter uh, Elisa's narrative. I, goons might think that that strategy is going to work. I think when CCP figures out what's wrong with the server, because it's not a load issue, it's something colliding in there. It's a, it's a code thing that's been introduced over the past six to eight months, I think. And when it gets fixed, we're back on track for breaking the actual records of uh, how many people can actually fight in the system. So I think they're going to be perfectly capable of uh, of surviving when it gets fixed. And then 6,000 in the system is going to be A-OK, no problem. Yeah, it's, uh, the 64-bit client really does unlock a lot of potential. And the game has been acting like weird the last couple of weeks in these big fights. Like your HUD will just disappear. Like it's gone. You have to do a session change to get your HUD back, um, which I've never seen before. Like I've had to manually cycle guns. That's a trick from like literally 15 years ago. But your HUD disappearing and you having to uh, session change to get it back, that's a new one. Um, I think that, Caleb, you might be onto something here. I know uh, CCP Explorer, uh, uh, I believe he is like the the hamster whisperer at CCP, or at least one of them. Uh, I can I I don't know this for sure, but I imagine he's on vacation like the rest of literally all of Iceland right now. Um, so when he comes back, I'm sure he'll like tinker with them, slap the hamsters a little bit. Uh, okay, well I probably should not have said that on, out loud, but he's gonna get things working uh, a little bit better. Hopefully we don't have uh, KVN happening again. Hopefully it gets to uh, these big fights get to put on the super nodes. So when you reinforce a system. Um, there's like a, just a standard reinforcement. Uh, and then I think CCP allots what they call these super nodes that I think they have six or 12 of. They're essentially the JITA node, um, which is just super yoked out that they can then say, oh, this is going to be a big fight. We'll put this not on just the reinforced node. We'll put this on the Superman node and see how that works out. I think I'm just guessing here and speculating. KVN was probably just automatically assigned to a reinforced node and not booted up to the super giga node. Okay. I think the there's also one more wrinkle to look forward to, which is that these new metaliminal storms have come out. That could be part of the issue that has broken some things in the last couple of weeks, but they've now hit the live server. Some people went out storm chasing. Is there anything near the current front of the war? Will we have a keep star fight in a metaliminal storm system? Thoughts? The closest, there's one in Providence, I believe, and there's one in... Um, syndicate like right an empty dash they kind of go in the the entry system so I got, the storms gated in from high sec and are just now more working their way around so it'll be interesting to watch what the uh what the syndicate one does and what the providence one does those are where my eyes are tied are they going to go south and uh west or are they going to kind of I like, providence like gets screwed again go ahead yeah. 
I kind of like the effect of them. I saw a couple of them on, on stream uh, yesterday when I was storm chasing. Though with the green one, I thought, I for a second, I thought I was in an incursion. But it was that I was like, wait, this is there's no Sancherettes killing me. So mouse is over the little, oh, it's this is out. That was my effect. That was my reaction yesterday. But like the blue one was actually really pretty, I think. Anybody else been out storm chasing? Tried the the new effects? All right, everybody's focused on the war or Eve Echoes in my case. Fair enough. I was actually slightly incorrect. There is not a storm in Providence. There are two storms in Providence. There are literally <laughs> two storms in Providence, two major storms in Providence. Uh, and obviously the, the small ones that go along with it. So Providence just gets giga screwed. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's worse than that if you consider the fact that there's so many of the pocket systems in Providence. So these storms can get caught a lot in those and actually just wander around for quite a while and end up overlapping way more than it's natural. I, I think I suspect it's almost deliberate that they're using Providence as a test bed for this. Well, right now it kind of makes sense because there's not a whole lot going on in Providence with the private block of backing. So it's it, like if you're going to stick some storms in there and start them off now. Now it would be the time without screwing too many people, I think. I hope that it's just Providence becomes just this weird quagmire uh, where like all the systems end up keep going and just get completely stuck in. It becomes like Kansas or something, uh, just tornado alley, uh, but for EVE Online. Well, so just Providence all of the does... storms will just converge in Providence and get stuck there and never leave. <laughs> It does have the nice loop, which makes it great for roaming to begin with. And it's very easy for the thing to go through that loop and not back over on itself. Just to, just to defend CCP, they have t told us they can't really get stuck. They have internal history. They know where they've been. And the randomizer is going to take that into account. So they basically have what is equivalent to momentum. So they will not get stuck in some dumb loop uh, or anything like that. They will eventually progress and move somewhere else, somewhere they haven't been. Uh, it's just a matter of how long they can get stuck naturally in those pockets, which is kind of why Providence is a little bit funny. Can storms hit each other, though? They can. The storms can converge. Converge and, and combine? Add. Yes. Over, overlap and add, and there is no limit. Uh, I think Signal was showing us uh, screenshots from Gita 4.4 where he had overlapped um, three storms. And all effects were active. Asking, what is a storm? There is a new uh, effect in game called me metaliminal storms. They are pockets of weather, kind of similar to the wormhole effects, like uh, cataclysmic or pulse pulsar or black hole. But it's like a weather storm in Nullsec that goes out a couple systems from the center. So you have special effects in these systems affected by the storms, and the storms move around through the gate network, basically. And we're going to be seeing how they affect the gameplay. They have like various, various effects, such as uh, mining bonus and like you can't cloak in one of them. It's just, there's like a big list. Yeah, they, these are not insignificant little things that you can just avoid and keep on doing with your daily life. Uh, some of the effects are negative 90% remote rest. <laughs> that one. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, 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 beat fight storm. No, I like, there's like a, because it's it's good for like gangs that don't have logi, like smaller smaller gangs and stuff. And then there's plus fifty percent damage, plus twenty five percent armor. 
minus 25% thermal. That's all one store, by the way. That's that's the the plasma one, the uh, just I let everything burn one. One makes triglavian so it spawns so you can kill them in the so there's this. So, so basically, in terms of storms, there's uh, there's two going on in Providence right now. Uh, kind of been showcasing them on the stream at the moment. Uh, but there's also one uh, up in Syndicate, and then there's also one up in Trippy as well. Oh, and we have to remember to mention that in wormholes, there's five effects, right? Um, but here, there's four. So the interesting thing is the one that's missing is the dark, right? And when we yeah. mentioned this. We got a very nice smug smile from CCP Fozzy, and they are actually in the code. They're just not, they haven't mentioned them. They haven't talked about them. They said they had something potentially planned way back when it was still being uh, uh, only experimental, but they didn't like that effect, so they canceled it. And that means that we are going to get a fifth, or most likely going to get the fifth type of storm with some completely new uh, effect. So uh, probably, uh, if I'm going to speculate a little bit, so the effects mirror a lot of what happens in the Abyss. Uh, so there's like a Gamma site. In the Gamma, in the Abyss, it's the extra shield HP. The Gamma Storm also has a shield HP one. The Dark Abyss effect is the one that doubles your speed. So oh, that's probably why they didn't want to put that one in at the start. Optimal range or something. <laughs> Yeah, so it reduces optimal range and jacks up your speed. So essentially, just imagine an Orthrus that goes 12k a second, oh, and that's that's what would happen in a. In a you forgot dark. the, the uh, obvious one. The the special effect should be no local. That'd I think that might be a little bit too soon. Be a bit, yeah, but too but too soon, man. I don't Sorry know. We've got no cloaking already in the in the effects. I, I actually no like local. that idea. Like it's tactical, no local. Uh, also, I think, so we talked about this uh, when it was first announced. I think it was announced two weeks ago, and it's on the server now. It, it wasn't like, hey, guys, we're thinking about doing this. It's, hey, guys, this is coming real soon. Uh, <laughs> so they're in here. So, But we talked about this very, very briefly. Uh, these systems, the eye, um, Asherathi has been kind of explaining it to people in local who might not be, or uh, chat who might not be aware. So the eye has the strong effects. Um, and then surrounding the eye in three or four systems are like a weaker effect. And the systems move. Uh, I believe they take, they, they travel via jump gate, which I, I don't get, but whatever, that's cool. And uh, they, the eye moves every one or two days. But given how many null sec systems there are and how many storms there are right now and how it moves, there's like a, you'll essentially, if you just sit in one place in null sec, uh, you'll probably be affected by a storm six days out of your uh, Eve life, something like that. Someone did the math, uh, at least for the major effect. So let's call it a little bit more for the, the side effects. So it's not like these are all over the place all the time. I guess with the, ex the exception of Providence right now, which is if you live in Providence, you are just getting covered in storms. Especially if you live in one of those pocket stuff where they can just wander around for quite a long time, right? But I'm just going to say you guys said too soon. I don't really think so. It's delivering actually right on time compared to Blackout, right? What we talked about when we had Blackout, which was everywhere, is this should have been something that was less, local, uh, less universal and more localized. And if it's two storms of this type, let's say it's not even the same range as these storms, so it's potentially only one jump range, 
that's not that many systems that will then experience no local. I don't think it's oppressive at all. I think it's actually exactly what we asked for back then. We want something that is less oppressive, not universal, uh, and more dramatic. That's exactly what this would be if they bring in the dark storm with no local. I would be I a little bit disappointed if they took the dark storm and made it no local, if only because what Blackout kind of taught them uh, is that if you impart an effect on people that they can't really combat, they're just not going to do anything for that time. Uh, I think CCB had a wonderful iteration on the spirit of Blackout through the uh, the filaments, right? The filaments that can send you to anywhere in EVE Online. Because you can just be right in the heart of a mining op uh, and catch people and kind of feel like you have agency over it. Uh, the Blackout, you just have no agency over it. So if, if they do this, as I just described, it would affect you maybe one day out of the year uh, and it wouldn't be a huge ordeal. But it would feel like they kind of didn't learn anything and they're just throwing shit at the wall. At least that's what my interpretation would be. I'd be a little bit disappointed uh, if they try the Blackout thing again with these storms. Getting just because I, I loved it so much when they did the uh, the iteration of Blackout with the filaments. I'm looking at like everybody who's trying to identify where these storms are, where they're moving. And all I can think of is Eve Scout and how much ISK I'm going to have to pay to get this integrated into Eve Scout. Because Eve Scout's already great for Thera. It's already great for a bunch of other stuff. Like, please, Signal Cartel, make Eve Scout include a weather station and I will be happy. I hope we just get a weather guy. I hope there's like a meme Eve stream that's a weather guy. He's like sunny sun or something. He just makes a new character, has this like goofy ass persona, and he just sits in these systems with a microphone with like rain coming down. That's my dream. We can Eve have like, now, like a cutaway section of the show where we, we uh, flip to the weather guy. It's like, and now for your five day forecast, it's going to be metaliminal. And then it's like, thank you, Johnny. Yeah, that would be great. That would be real. That would just make me happy. He could be like, I mean, Sunny Hale or something. He would have to have a weather guy name. I'm going to put out the casting call right now. Talking in stations is looking to hire a weatherman or woman or weather person. Weather we forecaster. Judge. A weather forecaster. Thank you very much. So if you're interested, Meteorologist. let us know. All right, moving on to other new and interesting things in EVE, we've got uh, the Abyssal stuff. There's been some changes. They've been going through the Abyssal Arena seasons, cycles, tournaments, what have you. And now we're into the 2v2 Battle Cruiser Arena tournament. Anybody participated in these yet? Uh, I have. They're super fun. Uh, they they kind of feel like they might be a little bit rock, paper, scissory in, in some regards. Sometimes you just get tornadoes that spawn at you and kite and damp you, and then they just shoot you. Uh, which, which is kind of a, a feels not not great. But to CCP CCP's credit, they did iterate on this Proving Grounds concept. Um, going into the 2v2s, you can't take officer mods. You can't take um, yoked out implants. You can't take abyssal rolled faction mods and stuff like that. Um, so you can't spend your way to victory, more or less. You have to think your way and play your way through a, through a victory. Indeed. Looking at the ships that are at least dying the most, and even the ones that are getting the most kills, it seems like Cyclones are very popular. I think that's likely because they have their super strong self-tank bonus, plus ASBs are OP as all get out in small gang. Anything else that you noticed from your experience? You mentioned the tornadoes with damps. Uh, like 1,400 tornadoes that just sit at rage and, and plank, you, uh, plank you away, and then eventually you die. Obviously, it's not just planking, it's more like 
throwing a giant rock at you. Wow. Um, Hull tank Brudixes are also pretty uh, pretty prevalent, which is kind of fun. I know um, Torvald has been flying those. I was you just can... like, before we started the stream, I was watching his video. He just put one out today. Him and then he had his buddy in a Naga as well. So it seems like an asymmetrical team of like somebody in a high DPS, somebody in a tanky thing is working out well for him. Yeah, it's it's kind of neat because you can play mind games with people too. Like you can just take a polarized Brutix and like a really baity uh, super tank, something else, and so no one will they'll be like, oh, let's not shoot the the, the Brutix until it's dealing like thirteen hundred DPS on you. That's but right. either way, they're iterating on it. It is fun. I think the next one after this is the rookie, the Corvette ship one. The Corvette one's is... gonna be so stupid. It's gonna be all Ram Bella, all Ram Bellators all day. Yeah, it's going to be wild. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to that one. I think we have to commit to it now. Is Talking in Stations going to do a 5v5 team on stream? Sure. All in. Let's, Raise let's your hands. Let's it, go. Yeah. Come on, team. I don't dare. Who's number three? What? I don't dare. Like, I don't participate in the event because of in character reasons, because I think it's working too. Arcia thinks it's working too closely with the Triglavians, and she's not going to be their plaything. Ooh. Okay. All right. Fair enough. We'll find a replacement. Moving on. Any other news that we haven't talked about yet in the show? There's a fresh thing off Twitter that I think is kind of interesting because we've already mentioned a few times that uh, looks like NetEase is already rolling out a second title or at least developing a second title, a 4X game, uh, also for mobile. And of course, we've known for a while that uh, CCP has been working in London on a uh, third-person shooter thing. And uh, another job position uh, just got announced on maybe that or maybe a completely different title. So I'm a little bit excited about uh, the growth of CCP these days. Yeah, we looked at the uh, the Prolobis numbers uh, last week. Uh, you gave a, few, a little bit of insight into that. Uh, the CCB has got a, a little bit larger market share. We kind of speculated why. You can listen to it last uh, on the show from last week. But yeah, that is that is cool. It's always good to see the producer of your game doing well. Uh, it's better than the opposite. So we're having a lot of things to look forward to this Christmas. That's all I'm saying. Quarter four and quarter one, it's definitely going to be potentially exciting, right? Because some of these things have to start being announced. Unless you're Star Citizen. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's a different star citizen wants to be you online they just never managed to pull it off i just had a memory of eve vegas 2017 and what eve mobile looked like back then didn't it at least were you oh in eve, you were there right for the eve I, aurora yeah, yeah i was still there. have that on my phone comparing that to eve echoes like let's give a quick rundown it was even it's a completely separate company who developed the two apps right yeah and you remember the presentation and the completely silent uh, auditorium that was, you could hear a pin drop. Everyone was just staring, going, is that it? Uh, it was definitely a, yeah. a please clap kind of moment. It, it um, was. But if you guys have not played, I know we talked about Eve Echoes a lot. And going on right now, there's like a, a huge Eve Echoes uh, town hall on youtube.com slash talking in station um, with the devs and uh, Matterall himself and who's official was here earlier. The game Eve Echoes is stunningly beautiful. Stunningly beautiful. It looks just like Eve Online on a smaller screen, or if you are like me and play it on a tablet on a slightly bigger screen. 
but it looks fantastic. Well, and all the cool kids seem to be doing it. Pretty much all the people I know in EVE are actually sitting there right now playing EVE Echoes and playing EVE Online on the side. Basically, dual playing, right? It is Eveception. So we thought you liked EVE, so we were going to give you some EVE so you can EVE while you EVE. I mean, yeah. 100%. If you're sitting there just mining or AFK ratting, pull up EVE Echoes on your phone. It's awesome. Speaking of which, like... When you're loading your guns in tie-dye, um, it's great. You can just uh, do a little uh, Eve Echoes gaming. Uh, that's what I heard Killer B was doing. The the ship, because so there's a new race in Eve Echoes, like only in Eve Echoes. It's the something I can't pronounce. Are you talking about like the, you know the Yanjung, which is uh, a race that exists in lore, kind of a, a relic of the past that's kind of in Eve Echoes and it infuriates me. So like, am I insane or are they super overpowered? Uh, they were giga overpowered. They probably will be. Um, they they gave away like one of the free ships. Uh, and I was flying around in mine today, and it's like compared to the other destroyers, it's very good. Unless maybe I'm just bad at fitting the other destroyers. I think with low skills, it, so the they kind of remind me of the SOCT ships, right? So it kind it's kind of like a it just kind of a jack of all trades, not quite a jack of all trades, but it's got. Getting into it, it's really, really strong. But as your skills develop, uh, I think it's going to be less strong. Obviously, I didn't play the beta. People told me the beta, they were like, the end all be all giga broken ships. But uh, they seem to have nerfed them heavily uh, in this one. Yeah, let's let's give Nettie some time to actually start rebalancing and, and tweaking and turning all the knobs that is going to be required. Because as you said, this is slightly similar to EVE 2003. A lot of things had to be tweaked fixed and rebalanced uh, over the first year or two. Um, and this is exactly what we're going to see here, right? We have the traditional uh, land grab stuff and hype cycle uh, development in there. And everything is just a little bit chaos. There's a, there's a lot of grief potential too, which is I think why a lot of EVE players are interested by it, or at least a lot of older EVE players are interested by it. Uh, you can go in and just completely ruin the economy of a system by shooting one of the anomalies. Um, you can steal everyone's stuff in low sec and null sec because hardly anyone has a point. So you can just go in there and loot their wrecks, which is a lot of stuff. You can loot their PI stuff, uh, which ends up being a lot of money worth of things. Uh, you can definitely grief people in hilarious ways that, that they might not be expecting, which I think, and this might reflect poorly on the EVE population, but that's not what I mean. But I think that's why the EVE players really like early days of EVE Echoes. I just don't I mean, know what they were thinking when they brought in the fact that PvP has skin drops because that's just going to make all the people like Elise and Rain that have an addiction to skills uh, skins actually be completely bloodthirsty and just go around killing everyone. Are there people who don't have an addiction to skins? Well, it's just now they added that as an incentive for PvP and I think it's a little bit evil. I'm just looking forward to the first big AWOX that happens in Echoes because right now... I'm spinning up some alts, and you just apply to half a dozen corporations, and you'll get into, get into one of them. You just hey, leave an empty application, and you'll get in. And that was exactly Eve 2003. For, that was really 2003. Everyone let everyone in because they just wanted to fill up their corp as fast as possible. And that was also the age of massive AWOXing and massive thefts. So it's exactly like Eve Online. 
All right, you, know well. to, you know what I forgot to say when we were talking about Nyarja? What's you want to know, know something funny um, about the goons' involvement in Nyarja? Earlier the same day, an INN article went up on Nyarja and how the invasions are participated in, where they got the information from me. Oh, you're, you're, feeding, yeah. you're feeding the Triglavians. You're the I reason mean, no, Nyarja I'm feeding fell. the goons. <laughs> Well, the goons sided with Triglavians, no? Yeah, the Ministry of Love showed up and ganked a lot of people and were really big. They like, they really did uh, uh, like a lot of work in there. They actually really committed hard to it and like props to them for that. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. You guys can head on over to youtube.com slash C slash talking in stations. Links will be in the, the Twitch chat for you to go over there and talk to some Eve Echoes devs as well as some other players. I know Yintan's going to be there. We've got Who is a Fish, Matterall. I don't know which specific devs are going to be there. Uh, CCP Dex, be who's the, the brand manager, I think, for all of the, the Eve IP. And uh, I think CCP Dopamine is there as well. Ooh, nice. I'm going to go check that out and play some Eve Echoes while I'm at it. So that's it for us. Thanks for tuning in to Talking In Stations, an EVE Online podcast. Now go check out Hall of Echoes and EVE Echoes podcast. See you next week.